Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring podcasts on the Blue Wire Network. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System yet, then you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. Wherever you are across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE System technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unified, U-N-I-F-Y-D, healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Blue Wire. It's exciting to win money. Back out to Allen. History title. Bang! Tie game with five seconds remaining. Is there anything you don't gamble on? Uh, not really. Gambling gods, fickle bunch. Oh, yeah. So easily offended. Gambling's not your problem. You're just an idiot. Welcome you in to Full Slate, a Blue Wire gambling podcast. It's the biggest weekend in the National Football League, divisional playoff weekend. We see the four teams who got first round buys, Super Bowl favorites, return to the gridiron for the first time in the month of January. And of course, the other four picked up victories in wildcard weekend and the field will be reduced to just four teams for the conference championships next weekend. So it will be a very fun weekend of football with two games on Saturday, two games on Sunday. My name is Greg Frank. Find me and all of my gambling picks at Undercover Greg on Twitter. And I'm joined, as always, by my partner in crime, Matt Siegel. You might know him as Showtime on Gambling Twitter, at Showtime Cappers, for all of his picks. Matt, you can tell I'm excited. I hope you are. Greg, like you said, I am thrilled this is the most exciting weekend in nfl you know and greg i don't even think that we mentioned the college football championship that is going on monday night as well did you get to that greg you're a good point i did not so you you left out the big one there greg we have five likely the next two number one overall picks i mean trevor lawrence would really have to screw something up to not go number one in 2021 
Yeah, yeah, no, I definitely agree with you there. So we can see back-to-back number one quarterbacks, uh, number one picks, the quarterbacks Burrow and uh, Trevor Lawrence facing off in this game. That's going to be a good one. We got the four NFL playoff games, two on Saturday, two on Sunday. We have three straight days of what will be great football games, Greg, and I'm ready ready to watch. So we're going to go in chronological order, National Football League Saturday games, National Football League Sunday games, and then college football playoff national championship to wrap this baby up. Let's start in the Bay Area where the San Francisco 49ers return from their bye week with home field advantage throughout the NFC playoffs, uh, and they look to start their road to a Lombardi trophy against the Minnesota Vikings. Vikings are a touchdown underdog in this game, total of 44. And I'll lead us off. I got in at 44 and a half. I would play this down to about 43 and a half, 43. Um, but I love the under here. And this one for me, uh, I'm passing the side because this is a tricky side. I could see this being a Minnesota outright win. I could see San Francisco winning by double digits. No real lean for me on the side. But as I said, I love the under because I'm sure if you're listening to this podcast, you watched last weekend, uh, Minnesota run the ball very effectively and Dalvin Cook did not look at all hampered. And so I think it goes without saying that, especially against this 49ers pass rush, that the Vikings are going to want to establish the run and get Kirk Cousins in some manageable down and distances and given that they went into the Superdome and, as I said, had the kind of success that they did running the football, I think that they are going to come with a similar game plan. Dalvin Cook had 94 rushing yards. Alexander Madison added another 20. He was back from injury as well. And not only the yards, but 33 carries between the two of them. Good to see Dalvin Cook carry 33, carry the ball 33 times. So I love the under from that angle for Minnesota. And then I also love this because – Now the pressure or the nerves, let's say, are on Jimmy Garoppolo. Cousins got that first playoff win last week. Jimmy Garoppolo is looking for that here. So I think even more so, we see San Francisco, one of the most run-heavy teams in the NFL in the regular season. I think they come out early and look to get their quarterback in some situations where he can settle into the game a little bit more. Because if Minnesota, we saw them last week, they got a pretty good pass rush on Drew Brees. So if they can force San Francisco into some down and distances where the Niners have to throw and then they can tee off, well, this could be an upset brewing. Like I said, I could see Minnesota winning this game outright. I could see San Francisco winning it on the heels of its defense, something like, you know, 20 to 10. But I love the under. I think that's where the value is in this first game. Matt, how about you? Greg, I'm right there with you with the outlook of this game. I am playing the under, caught it at 45 for one unit here. I think both teams are going to rely heavily on their run game, being that that is their strong suit of their offense. Run game opens up the play-action pass to make it make it an easy uh, play call for their quarterbacks, Kirk Cousins and Jimmy G, as you said one of which Jimmy G is looking for his first playoff win, and Kirk Cousins just secured his first playoff win. So two inexperienced uh, quarterbacks in these playoffs looking to rely on their run-heavy approaches because they both do have great running games. You know, And the Vikings' defense has been playing well. We know what the 49ers' defense is, but the Vikings' defense played pretty well against a New Orleans Saints team you know, who has a lethal offense, especially at home. They were putting up 30-plus p- points for five straight weeks, and... 
But the Vikings were able to hold them to 20. But uh, I also do like the dog here, Greg. I grabbed Vikings on the first half, plus three and a half. I grabbed Vikings on the full game, plus a, plus seven, plus a touchdown. And I, I grabbed Vikings on the full game money line for one unit, Greg. I really do think the Minnesota Vikings can walk into San Francisco and, and pull out this victory. I think that victory for Kirk Cousins and the Vikings team was very big for confidence and, and for momentum. You know, going into this 49ers game, I think the Niners have tremendous pressure Greg remember they were the last unbeaten team of the regular season so there was expectations and then they struggled a bit down the stretch obviously you know they were able to snag the division so yeah I I just really think that the Vikings can go in here and and use that confidence after you know winning a game in overtime in the Superdome you walk into this game and in San Francisco, and you're going to have a lot of confidence with this Minnesota Vikings team, and I think that's something important for the playoffs. Clearly, Adam Thielen is back, and he's 100% healthy. He showed how important he is to this offense. He really is Kirk Cousins' go-to guy. You know, Stephon Diggs, Kyle Rudolph, we know they're threats as well receiving the ball, but you just see the chemistry between Kirk Cousins and Adam Thielen, and I really think that the Vikings could get it done. I think it's Kirk's time. Yeah, I don't hate the handicap. I mean, I as I said, I think that – and if I were forced to play the side, I would look to Minnesota plus the touchdown. And I do think that there could be some nerves here for Jimmy Garoppolo. And, you know, you have a Minnesota team that you have to think comes in with confidence here. I mean, they just went to the Superdome and won as eight-point underdogs. Now they are, you know, slightly less of an underdog role – uh, here to San Francisco against a team with, as you said, Matt, far less of a playoff pedigree. And that's the thing which would make me concerned if I was on San Francisco here is let's look at the landscape of the NFC West in this decade. Okay. In the early parts of the decade, you had this, the Seattle Seahawks and the Legion of Boom dominate things. Then you had a little bit of a shift and in the middle part of the decade, you had the Arizona Cardinals and Carson Palmer at the end of his career make a little bit of a run. And ultimately, they lost to the Carolina Panthers in the NFC Championship game in 2015. And then towards the end of the decade, we saw the uh, resurgence of the Rams with Sean McVay and and that defense. Or I'm sorry, that offense really kind of lighting things up the last couple of years. So San Francisco while they did, they were very competitive under Jim Harbaugh, in the last five years, obviously, they haven't done a lot of winning. So these are a lot of young players that are all in huge roles for the first time in the postseason. Uh, so that would be one thing also that would concern me about the 49ers if I was backing them, minus the points, which I am not. Yeah, Greg, and sometimes, you know, we've seen – in the past, this week off, you know, really be beneficial for teams. But typically the teams we've seen have this week off and be playing on the second week of the playoffs are more experienced veteran caliber teams. So real interesting to see how, you know, the Niners young team with Jimmy G respond if they come out, you know, fresh or if they come out a little um, little shaky and a little slow. So just, just interesting to note there. Speaking of coming out slow – Uh, That's where I want to go for my next play. And we're going to go to the Saturday night game between the Tennessee Titans visiting the Baltimore Ravens. And I think the underdog is live in this one. I love the Titans side. This is a max play for me. I got in at Tennessee plus the nine. 
I think this is numbers sitting at about nine and a half, ten. I don't think I think. Oh wow, I actually think it is out to ten. So you can grab it there. I'll tell you what, though. I think Tennessee is going to have a real opportunity to win this game in the fourth quarter. But my play, as I said, full game plus nine is what I took uh, for a max play. Uh, And I also am going to play the Titans on the first half money line. I got this at plus 225 for Tennessee. And this is just a kind of a simple play here where you have the Ravens having not played anyone meaningful for three weeks because they clinched everything home field in the AFC in week 16 of the NFL season. So they had the de facto bye week in week 17 and then the real bye in wild card weekend. And now they're back. I do. And you throw that up against the Titans team that has been playing for its lives for the better part of the last two months. I think that the Titans are the ones that are, are going to get off to the better start here. And you're going to give me better than two to one on the first half money line. You better believe I'm going to gobble that up. Uh, so I love the Titans side. I think they have a really good chance to win this game outright because of the fact that you look at the Ravens and well, what do they normally do? Well, their offense is so explosive. Lamar Jackson. We'll see how hampered Mark Ingram might be in this game. Hollywood Brown. So you need an offense that can score with them. And I know that Tennessee's offense wasn't great last week, but they were playing New England. And before the New England game, we've obviously seen this Tennessee offense behind Ryan Tannehill and Derrick Henry, not just Derrick Henry, even though he won the rushing title. Tannehill obviously was outstanding in the second half of the year ever since Mike Vrabel made the switch. So I think we're getting a very confident Tennessee team that has been playing for its lives for about two months now. And we saw last week when they started ripping off those runs with Henry. This is an offensive line that has been very good. Taylor Luan, Roger Saffold, just guys that really, when they start firing off the ball, you're not going to beat them in the trenches. And that obviously is a big part of why they've been so successful. So I think that this is a Tennessee team coming in with a lot of confidence. I love the dog. As far as the full game, I'm just going to take the points. Would not be surprised if the Titans came out of Baltimore with a win, though. Yeah, Greg, in agreement again here. I I like Titans with the points. Full game, I grabbed it at plus nine. I like them with the points in the first half, plus four and a half. Uh, look, I, I just think the Titans play a competitive game here. The Titans have been playing good football. They've been riding their horse. Derrick Henry, uh, in their you know Baltimore strength certainly is not their rushing defense. So I expect Derrick Henry. You know I don't think to have the onslaughter he did against the Patriots last week. But I do believe for him to continue his domination of the NFL, you know, go for another 100 yards in this game. They will ride him into the ground or out of the playoffs, I should say, because eventually they will get knocked down this game. Because I do not think that they ultimately have a chance to win this game. However, give me over a touchdown for sure, because I can definitely see the Ravens winning this game by seven or less. Ultimately, I think this Ravens team is too talented on the offensive and you know, with Lamar Jackson and Mark Ingram, the dual running and passing threat that Lamar Jackson is until I could see, until I see them lose, I, I just really can't go against them 12 straight. I mean, uh, Harbaugh has the team playing and rocking on all cylinders. They, they have a great game plan designed for Lamar. They've even, they've been flying around on defense. I, there's really nothing I can say, you know, they have the best kicker in the league. It's hard for me to go against this Ravens team, but getting nine points, I just think that's absolutely too much. Let's be real. Mike Vrabel on the other side is a great coach. He's going to have an offensive game plan, not only designed to feed Derrick Henry the ball and make Ryan Tannehill 
be very effective, you know, quick throws, getting the ball quickly, running the play action, easy throws, wide open guys in the flat for Ryan Tannehill, like he has been all year. But let's be real, the Titans' best defense in this game is just to have Lamar Lamar Jackson on the sidelines, right? Yeah. If Lamar Jackson's on the sidelines, he can he can't be very effective, can he? So, you know, how do they do that? They run the ball with Derrick Henry, picking up a lot of third downs. Third downs in this game are gonna be crucial. Whoever wins the third down battle in this game will win the game. I do believe that will be the Ravens. But in order for the Titans to give themselves a chance in the fourth quarter or to, to hang with them the whole game, they need to be converted on their third downs as well. And I believe that they do because they don't really find themselves behind the sticks often. With Derrick Henry there exactly. and, and the play calling of Mike Vrabel, they're often getting three, four yards on first down, which you know is really overlooked how important that is to you know the different types of play calling you can afford on a second and 10 Especially or a second on the and 12. Road, you know, yeah, in Baltimore. Um, Exactly. You know, the difference between a second and 10 or a second and 12, if you drop two yards between a second and seven or a second and six, is just tremendous. You're opening up a whole different type of play style. On the road in Baltimore, I mean, look, it's going to be a hostile environment. But the Tennessee Titans just walked into a hostile environment, environment sure. and walked out successful in Foxborough, took down Tom Brady in fashion. They are coming to this game with the utmost confidence. They are playing like underdogs, and no one is giving them a shot. They will be going out here against Baltimore with everyone picking against them, and they're just going to be having fun playing football, you know. The only way I see the Titans not covering this is if Lamar Jackson just absolutely shreds the Tennessee Titans to bits and and the Titans just can't keep up with the scoring. But I just don't see that happening. I think the Titans are going to put up points and I, and I think this game is going to finish, you know, somewhere around the 27-20 range. Yeah, I mean, I think a lot of your handicap is is accurate. It sounds like let's let's look at another angle here. Do we want to think about because I gave out Tennessee on the first half money line. You like them with the points in the first half. Do we want to look? Uh, I know that you, you know, you're one to, and I will sometimes play some second half lines or, or live lines. It sounds like if you like Baltimore that in this game, you definitely want to wait, right? I mean, look, that's just my analysis of it. I think it's gonna be a closer game the entire way. But look, I mean, no, I wouldn't just recommend that because, however, if you like Baltimore. There's no reason why I can't be totally wrong and Baltimore comes in and stomps well, them sure. the entire game. So if you like I'm Baltimore in line with how you see the game playing out, the way you're gonna cash on Baltimore would I think would be to play them second half or take a live line. Um Oh, oh, yeah, from that perspective, if you're looking to cash on Baltimore, yes. I mean, if you're really looking to cash on Baltimore, I would say to stick them in a parlay, you know, with sure. with an, with another team and get that down close to even odds. Uh, you know, maybe or maybe toss the Ravens in a parlay with uh, with a, a simple spread play of minus one ten. You know, to get that as a plus even play. But yes, if you're looking to get down on the Ravens winning, I think it would be more effective. You know, to wait for an in-game line or a second-half line. However, I do think there's value on teasing the the Ravens down. You know, if you can get that minus nine and tease it down. Down to two. Uh, yeah, yeah, down to two there. And, and if you can get in on the Chiefs and you can tease that line, you know, if you can snag a nine there, it's, nines are still available. Tease that down to two. I think that is a valuable teaser because I do think that both of them win by over field goal. You're obviously crossing two key numbers. You're crossing the sev- the touchdown number of seven and the field goal number of three. So I think there's value there. But, but yes, I, it's a tough I, – I can't recommend t- taking the Ravens uh, pregame. 
Yeah, I'm totally with you. Uh, so some agreement there as far as the Titans are concerned. Let's go to the Sunday slate where we have another pair of games. You mentioned Kansas City. They are hosting this game thanks to the Miami Dolphins beating the New England Patriots. Yeah, Greg, I, Gre- go Greg I got to kick this one off, actually. I, I, I have a max play in this game. Sure. This is my only max play of the NFL weekend. Um, so buckle up. I, I hope you're with me here, Greg. I'm on max Kansas City Chiefs minus five in the first half. This is my only play on the game. You know, we understand it's no surprise what the Texans did in the first half last week, down 16 nothing. That was after coming out on Wild Card Weekend last year, down 21-0 to the Colts. So in back-to-back playoff games, they are, the, you know, they're trailing 37-0, to 37-0. In the first half, that's pretty pathetic. Maybe that is coaching. Maybe that is their players. I don't know. I just know what's in front of me. And the Chiefs coming off a bye, they've been rolling on all cylinders. We know what Andy Reid historically has done off of a bye in his coaching career. He is arguably one of the best coaches off of a bye in NFL history. That is right, folks. So I see the Kansas City Chiefs at home at Arrowhead with Patrick Mahomes, Tyreek Hill, and that lethal offense, Kelsey out there as well. I don't see why there's any reason why the Chiefs can't be up by a touchdown at half. However, I do think the Texans, like they always do, can come out in the second half. Deshaun Watson is a big-time player. He comes to play in the second half, especially the fourth quarter. He wears that Superman cape that we see other quarterbacks, just like Mahomes, wear in the fourth quarter. So that is why I laid off of the large spread which is nine and a half, nine, ten, whatever you're getting it at for the Chiefs, because there's no reason why down the stretch the Texans can't make a run or the back door could be open. You know, Chiefs could be up 14, Texans get a late garbage time touchdown, win by seven. So I'm just sticking with the first half, Chiefs minus five for max, my only max play of the divisional round weekend. Yeah, I'm going to agree with you on the Chiefs. I got it at four and a half on the first half for a max. Where I disagree is I don't think the back door is going to be open for Houston here because you mentioned. I don't think that. I just wanted to avoid it just to clarify. Understood. Understood. You mentioned Andy Reid with extra time to prepare. Obviously, that is a spot, you know, first game of the season, off a bye. You want to look for him. Secondly, you have a Chiefs team that we all know how close they were to the Super Bowl last year. If D. Ford is onside in the fourth quarter, they have an interception of Tom Brady late in the game, and they're going to go to the Super Bowl and play the L.A. Rams. So now it's their first playoff game since that oh-so-close victory over the Patriots. And it's at Arrowhead, which we know is a great home field advantage, And it's against a Houston team that got outscored by its opponents this year. I mean, the Texans are not very good. And we saw them this year, or last week, it was just like a, that game was like a hot potato. Where the Bills were like, oh, you take it. And then the Texans were like, oh, you take it. And it looked like nobody wanted to win. And so, watching that game, I just knew, you know, I wanted to bet against the winner the following week. And sure enough, it's the Texans. And... I'm not putting much stock at all into the week six victory for Houston in Kansas City because Houston ran the ball really well in that game. Kansas City's defense has done a complete 180 in the second half of the year. And that's why I also like this game under the total because Kansas City 
and Texans team total under the whole nine yards. Kansas City's defense is completing it into rounding into a Super Bowl contender now. And, and you could argue the favorite in the AFC. So as far as I'm concerned, Kansas City, the only thing that was holding me back from thinking that they could win the Super Bowl was that defense. And they are night and day better on that side of the ball. So for me, this is Kansas City minus four and a half max play. Kansas City minus nine and a half, minus ten, whatever you can get. Max play that. Full game under. Texans team total under. I, I, I know that some of this is pretty public, but I just, I have no clue how you back the Texans here. Anything else, Matt, on this game? Yeah, no, I mean, I'm right there with you on the first half. Like I said, I decided to lay off the second half. I I would rather just play the first half, but I mean, I I don't hate it whatsoever. I think the Chiefs are great. I just, I saw that determination and grit against Watson, and I, you know, I just, I don't think he's going to roll over in the second half. But again, I mean, I don't have a a horse in the race in the second half, and so I I wish you nothing but the best, and I hope the Chiefs uh, win 40-0, to so... (laughs) That'd be great. Uh, and yeah, I am going to probably look at an alternate line on Kansas City as well uh, to sell some points and, and, and win that way as well, because 40 nothing is, is kind of the way I see that game playing out. Uh, not exactly that score, but you get the idea. Let's wrap up in America's Dairyland at Lambeau Field. The Green Bay Packers are four and a half point chalk at home against the Seattle Seahawks. Total of 47 in this one. This is the hardest game for me to pick and why I don't have a play on it. Because I think it's interesting in the NFC. You have Minnesota and San Francisco playing on Saturday. And I think that those two teams are, even though Minnesota lost twice to Green Bay and the, the second time they didn't have Dalvin Cook or Alexander Madison in their backfield. But I think Minnesota and San Francisco are just more well-rounded, more complete football teams. Whereas the Packers and Seahawks have shown some flaws, and I think their quarterbacks kind of get bailed them out a lot. And obviously when you have Aaron Rodgers and when you have Russell Wilson, you can get away with a little bit more. All that said, so like the question here is which team is more fraudulent? And that is one that I, I don't know. Like I need to watch this game to find that out. And so I can't play the side. Uh, it does look like the weather is going to be pretty cold in Lambeau, so maybe you look under, but then you remember Aaron Jones and the Green Bay rushing attack have been really good most of the year, which was one thing that Green Bay under Aaron Rodgers really never was able to do consistently. So, you know, maybe there's your angle for Green Bay, because if you think that it's going to be a running kind of game, well, Green Bay's got Aaron Jones and Seattle's down to Marshawn Lynch off the couch and sixth-round rookie Travis Homer. Uh, But to me, this game is just a total stay away. Uh, I I suppose, you know, the Packers at home, Lambeau Field, you could sell me on. But Russell Wilson is 8-1 straight up, 6-2-1 against his spread on the road. So I don't really know where to go here, and that's why I'm staying away. Yeah, Greg, I feel what you're saying with the tech. I mean, with the Seahawks and the Packers, you know, not being so complete and both seeming to have flaws. You know, the Seahawks have only won one game by by more than one possession this year. And the Packers have only won five games by more than one possession. 
and when you look at some of the other teams, that's just not the case. Now, of course, some of them have won close games, but some of them have won the majority of their games by double digits or, or even three three possessions, you know. Uh, we've seen the Packers get blown out by the San Francisco 49ers on the road. Uh, but we've also seen and, the Packers— And also blown out by the L.A. Chargers on the road. Yeah, we've seen the—that uh, game is a little closer than the score indicated, by the way. But, yeah, I mean, nonetheless, oh, they did lose that game. That. The Chargers were up three scores late in the third quarter in that game. Yeah, but it's, uh, it's still 15 points is only two possessions. I, I mean, I, you know, so so it's a, it's a 29, obviously, 30 points, you know, being a, a lot doubled. But anyway, nonetheless, we've seen this Packers team just shaky, you know, but then we've seen them walk in and, and win a primetime Sunday night football game at Kansas City. And then, you know, we see them, like you said, Patrick the following week. Play in that game, though. The, the following week, say it again? Patrick Mahomes did not play in that game in Kansas City, though. Oh, yeah, of course. But, you know, still, I mean, to walk into Arrowhead, a hostile environment. Remember, this this was no scrub quarterback. Matt Moore is a solid backup. Andy Reid is, is a great coaching staff. They, they still have tremendous talent around them for the Chiefs. So, and that game was not easy for the Packers. I mean, that game came down to the wire, if you remember watching it. But, yeah. nonetheless, what I'm getting at is, Clearly, the Packers have somewhat been inconsistent. You know, then they only beat the Redskins 20 to 15. And, you know, they barely beat the Lions with their third string quarterback. So we've seen them have these great dominating performances. And then we've also seen them have these shaky, questionable games. Now, flip the script. You've seen very similar results from the Seahawks. You know, the Seahawks gave the Eagles so many chances to get back in that game. They, they really did. They blew their chance that they had against the 49ers down the stretch. The Seahawks lost at home a big game against the Cardinals before that 49ers game. It just a lot of struggling games for the Seahawks down the stretch, particularly. I mean, their last three wins are the Eagles and the Panthers and the Vikings and the Eagles, their last four wins. So only one of them comes against a playoff team. And again, that win against the Vikings you know, that was just some Russell Wilson magic at the end. And you can argue, yes, this is how Russell Wilson has always won games in the past. But remember, when Russell Wilson was still great in their Super Bowl run, they had a great defense. The defense is not the same for them this year. I think their luck runs out. They're playing a second consecutive road game. They're traveling to Lambeau. And I just think their luck runs out. I'm siding with Aaron Rodgers and the Packers here. I think that ultimately Rodgers is the better quarterback than Russell Wilson. And when it comes down to it, I think Rodgers is going to be able to make the play at home. The Packers here, they are just really due. And and, and the Seahawks, one thing that didn't hurt them as much against the Eagles, but I think will hurt them more against the Packers, is their running game, right? Missing Chris Carson is is just really huge. Chris Carson was huge for them down the stretch. I understand they have Lynch and Homer. No Rashad Penny, no C.J. Procise either. Yeah, I mean they're down, you know, and 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 they they lost the fourth a fourth running back, I believe, as well. But I mean, so obviously they're down to their fifth and sixth options of running back. I mean, they had to sign Marshawn Lynch out of retirement, so I think that hurts. I mean, I watched the entire Eagles game, Greg. I don't know about you, they they, they seem to have converted five or six third and tens. Now again, I don't want to take away from the magic of Russell Wilson, but. Eventually converting oh, no, third, that was a huge problem for the Eagles. They couldn't get eventually con- converting third 
and tens, or I mean, playing third and tens game in and game out is just not going to cut it. You're not going to be able to convert them every single game. You know, the Packers are going to be able to easily spot that. Look, the, the the Seahawks always are falling behind behind the the chains in early downs, and they're converting late. How and why? It's very easy to see. Russell Wilson makes the plays, he or he breaks the pocket or whatnot. It, it's easy things the Packers can look to do. You can contain Russell Wilson, and you can beat the Seahawks because their defense is easily beatable. Like you said, when Aaron Jones and this Packers rushing attack gets going, you know, give Aaron Rodgers the play action and, and, and good luck, Greg. I'm playing the Packers on the first half and the full game here. I think this is the end of the road for the Seahawks. They've had a great season, but the, 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 they've been, like I said, I, I keep saying luck and, and their luck's about to run out. Nothing on the total? Take, I'm take, taking the under, leaning the under as well, but I, I will ultimately be end up playing the under. I do think that, you know, one thing that the Packers do, if you ever watch Aaron Rodgers and the Packers, Aaron Rodgers damn near gets a delay of game every single time he snaps the ball. I don't understand why, but he loves to snap the ball with almost zero seconds on the clock. And you know what? So does Russell Wilson. So I expect both of these offenses with veteran quarterbacks making a lot of adjustments at the line. These plays are going to be going off well, uh, are going off slowly, excuse me. And again, I do expect the Packers to get that running game going and control time of possession. I really expect the Seahawks to be limited here. I think I would be surprised if the Seahawks score more than two touchdowns in this game. Okay, Matt, I have two questions for you before we get to the College Football National Championship. First one, as a Packers backer, do you consider, you know, how much of a factor is it as far as the head coaches in this game, that you have a veteran in Pete Carroll who's won a Super Bowl for Seattle against a guy coaching his first playoff game, Matt LaFleur. I don't look at that too much. You have a veteran Hall of Fame caliber quarterback in Aaron Rodgers, and that's a quarter and that's a coach on the field enough enough for me. Sure. And then the second question, if we kind of circled back talking about the kind of complete elements that the 49ers and Vikings have that maybe we don't see as much well-roundedness in Green Bay and Seattle. So can we then assume that the winner of Minnesota and New, uh, I'm sorry, Minnesota and San Francisco will go to the Super Bowl? Look, it's really ironic. These two, these four teams, like you said, the Vikings and the Niners are almost carbon copies of each other. And then the flip side, in my opinion, the Seahawks and the Packers are as well. Look, the Seahawks and Packers are propelled by their two great quarterbacks, and they rely on them to make plays down the stretch when it counts. They have a few big playmakers. You know, you got Lockett and Metcalf for the Packers. You you got Devontae Adams and, and, and Aaron Jones, obviously. And their defenses are just... And not to knock them or not to praise either of them, but they're just like whatever, in my opinion. Like, both defenses are just like, sure. they're good enough. You know, they're not like amazing defenses like the Niners, but they're not like awful Swiss cheese defense. You know, they're just like middle-of-the-pack defenses. And they don't, they have a few playmakers. Obviously, Clowney is a playmaker, you know. I mean, he was able to take out Carson Wentz from the Eagles game. <laughs> but uh, with that being said, and then you flip the script, the Vikings and the Niners, two slightly more or less experienced quarterbacks, Kirk Cousins and Jimmy G, more what I would call system guys. You know, they don't have the ability to break the pocket and make the plays happen and play the schoolyard ball that we talk about, that we see Aaron Rodgers and Russell Wilson do consistently, especially on third downs or crucial points in the game. But they have great coaching, great running games, good offensive line, and, and, and good defenses. So I think it is safe to say. 
that I would lean the team that comes out of the Vikings and the Niners game. However, remember, if the Vikings win this game, they are still playing on the road. So that element is tough. And then if they're traveling to Green Bay, you know, that's a divisional opponent. That's a third game they're playing this year. That gets really interesting. Or are they traveling to Seattle, a place they already lost this year? You know, or are the Niners, are they playing Seattle, right? And that's a third game this year. So either way, you're getting a rematch because the the San Francisco 49ers, they smacked the Packers the first time. Right. So it's going to be really interesting because, like I said, I think the Vikings and Niners are very similar, and I think the Packers and Seahawks are very similar. So it's going to be very interesting to see which two teams come in and which style of play or style of, of winning kind of prevails in the end, if you, if you see what I'm getting at. Well, in short, I'm going to say that the answer is yes, that whoever wins in San Francisco and Minnesota will be in the Super Bowl. Do you agree with that? Um, I'm not confident in the Minnesota Vikings walking into Green Bay and pulling out a victory. I, I can't say I'm confident in that, to be honest. But I do. See, I, at the same time, I just can't see Green Bay winning three times against Minnesota. Yeah. If anything, I, I don't I don't put much stake in stake into that too much. I, I don't think that just because, you know, you've lost twice, that means you're going to be better to win three times. I would side on the fact of going against Kirk Cousins. I would find it hard to believe that he has two straight or three straight, excuse me, performances on the road like that. However, Greg, I know this sounds crazy. If somehow they were able to dominate defensively and pull out a low-scoring game, you know, with Kirk Cousins playing poorly. You're saying in San Francisco. I'm saying in San Francisco. Then, yeah, I could see Kirk Cousins coming coming then and bouncing back. But if Kirk Cousins puts together another great game, my feeling is at the end of the day, we know what Kirk Cousins is, and I, I just feel like he's going to stumble. And what more fitting of a way to do it against their rivals in Green Bay on the road. But, hey, look, maybe maybe this is all Kirk Cousins ever needed in his career was one playoff win, and maybe he's about to walk the Minnesota Vikings to a Super Bowl championship and, and prove me dead wrong. But I just find it hard to believe that that the Kirk Cousins, who is 0-8 on Monday Night Football, is going gonna, is gonna to just walk all over three of the, the, the three top teams in the NFC on the road and, and the come out. Yeah. Well, say it again. If it's the Packers. Yeah, if it's the Packers and, and come out and, and win all three games. Yeah. I find that hard to believe. And, and and again, even Seattle on the road. But I do think if the Niners win, um, that I think the Niners will get to the Super Bowl. Okay, so in other words, while you may not fully agree with me that the winner of that game goes to the Super Bowl, you do agree that the uh, biggest challenger to the Niners is Minnesota and not either team at Lambeau Field. Yeah, I do think so. And let me just, by the way, just to sum up all, all that, I know that was a lot. I, I, I don't think the Vikings can't do it. I'm just not so sure. sure. If the Vikings win, I mean, if the Niners win, I think the Niners definitely go to the Super Bowl. If the Vikings win this game, I, you know, I'd have to just totally reevaluate. I have no, no opinion on that yet. Sure. Let's wrap things up in the college ranks where normally this game would have been after wild card weekend. It got pushed back a week. Uh, to the Monday after the NFL's divisional weekend. And it's the college football playoff national championship. So if you're a Louisiana sports fan, you might not have the Saints anymore, but you do have your LSU Tigers against the Clemson Tigers on Monday night down in New Orleans. And we're certainly seeing that uh, location of the game 
being accounted for in this number. We have LSU having been bet up to six point chalk, five and a half at some shops. Uh, I believe this opened around four, three and a half. And there has been a lot of LSU money uh, from the moment Justin Fields threw that interception in the semifinal game uh, against Clemson to lock up this national championship of all Tigers uh, down in the Big Easy. Uh, so, Matt, I'll let you start. As far as the college football playoff national championship is concerned, are you going with the number one team in the land, the LSU Tigers? Are you are you going with the defending national champs and Mr. Undefeated quarterback Trevor Lawrence? Well, you know, both of them obviously being undefeated, Greg, it, it, it's, it's, it's a I'm tough one. In his entire career, Trevor Lawrence has not lost a game. Oh, in yes. College. Yeah. Yes. No. I. I understand what you're saying there. Um, and uh, this is. I'm laughing because I'm going to probably disappoint uh, the listeners out there. I'm. I, I'm not really picking a side no in this game, side. Greg. <laughs> yeah. I, I, have, I, I have no side in this game, Greg. I have a max bet on the under, though. This was an easy one for me. Under 70, I scooped up. Uh, 70, 69 and a half. It won't matter. This game will not go over 65 points. That's for sure. I'm going to look to play some alternates under. This is going to be a lot closer of a game than people think, and I just don't see this being a shootout. Again, one of the greatest strengths of a team's defense is their offense's ability to keep the other team's offense off the field. With these two lethal offenses here, I expect both of these teams to do that. And again, both of these teams come in 13-0, and arguably the two best teams all year. No one is underestimating anyone here, Greg. No one is taking anyone lightly. Everyone know the book is out on every player on both sides. They know who the deep threats are. They know who the big playmakers are. You know, both teams are super well coached. I, I just expect this game to be played like a national championship normally is or any kind of finals I, it's just always we've spoke about this before in these big games or these rivalry games or these high pressure high situation games especially in college you, especially in college you just naturally lean the under you move a little slower why because you don't want to make a mistake you don't want to hurry up to the line when you don't have to and commit that false start that you don't have to just little things like that you just have to catch your breath a little more in these big moments not to mention the nerves of these kids you know maybe not so much for a trevor lawrence who's been there before but for joe burrows you know it doesn't hurt that he's playing in his close to home but still you can't tell me that there's not nerves even the pros when they walk out there they still have a little pregame jitters everyone gets the feeling now after the first snap it might go away but nonetheless they are still there and like i said the book is out on these teams we know what they can do we know what the quarterbacks can do and both of these quarterbacks just are really smart. I truthfully, Greg, I don't expect a lot of turnovers. And when there's not a lot of turnovers, you know, that means that there's not a lot of short field opportunities or, or, or not a lot of free points, you know, on a pick six or a fumble for six. So I also hope that to, I, I expect that to contribute to the under as well, Greg, where are you going with this game? Yeah. So I'm looking to the total as well, and I'm not in full disagreement with you. Uh, although, before I get on my my play, I do want to say I hope you're right because I am in a bull, bull pool, uh, and I mentioned that I have, have been doing very well of late. I haven't had a losing week since the end of November. It looks like that's going to end them off to a bad start this week. Uh, but that's because my bowl season was outstanding, 
And I went 27 and 12 against the spread in this bowl pool. Um, and all three, I'm in a three-way tie with two other people that, and everyone has LSU. So it comes down to your tiebreaker is the total. And I guessed 65, which is the lowest of the three numbers. Uh, so if you're right, then I'm going to cash in this bowl pool. So, so that I do hope that you're right on. Uh, and, and so you can consider this play a little bit of a hedge, uh, but I do truthfully like it. Uh, and it's the first half over. Uh, I am going to play this. Uh, I, I took 35. You can get, I think there's some 34 and a halves out there, maybe some 34s still. But what I'm seeing is, as we mentioned at the beginning of the podcast, arguably, not arguably, likely, the two straight number one overall picks here with Burrow this year and Lawrence next year. And you have an extra week for these teams to prepare than normal, which I think naturally allows the offensive minds of both coaching staffs. You know, we've heard a lot about Joe Brady and LSU. I think naturally that allows them to scheme up some more things, to throw a few trick plays in, to do some things that they maybe wouldn't do on a normal week of preparation to just try some more things. And if you're experimenting, if you're throwing in a gadget play, if you're throwing in a few wrinkles, I think that could result itself in some quick scores early. So I like the first half over. I don't have anything full game. I'm not sure if I'll change my mind or not as we get closer to Monday. That's why we hope you're, if you're listening, you follow us on Twitter because you never know. Maybe you wake up Monday and you feel a different angle that we're not feeling right now as we record on a Thursday in the late afternoon. So all of that said, though, I just think that you're going to have a little bit of a track meet early on between these two quarterbacks. We know about the receivers, too. There's NFL receivers on both teams. So with extra time to prepare, I think that allows teams to get more innovative and my gosh, LSU's offense last week, I, or I know it was Oklahoma and their defense isn't really anything, but they could have scored every time if they wanted to. So it's tough for me to get there with the under. But as I said, I am hoping that you're right because that would mean good things for me and my bowl pool. Yeah, Greg, here's the thing is I just see this game going a lot more like the Clemson-Ohio State game rather than the LSU-Oklahoma game. Let's be real. I think that, you know, I mean, even the spreads clearly indicated when these four teams were named to the college football playoffs, I think it was clear that it was a three-horse race, right? Absolutely. And that was And that was LSU and then the winner of Clemson and Ohio State. And that was indicated by the 14-point spread LSU was over Oklahoma. So I'm not going to say that seven touchdowns by Joe Burrows in the first half wasn't impressive or eight touchdowns, whatever he had, seven or eight, whatever it was. Was it eight, I think? I think I it was think, eight. I yeah, thought, seven. Was it, okay. Seven passing touchdowns, one rushing touchdown, or maybe got one in the second half, whatever it was. Um, you know, obviously that was not expected, but I think it was expected that their offense was going to was gonna put up points and was going to run through them. I mean, look, look, the, the Oklahoma's defense is is nothing special. It, it just really isn't, and, and they clearly haven't seen an offense like LSU's all year. Now flip the script, you know. What was the worry about Clemson coming into the Ohio State game? It was the exact worry it was last year. Has Clemson played anyone? Have they been tested? Yada, yada, yada. They held a pretty damn explosive Ohio State offense, 
you know, to only 23 points. Their defense did pretty well. Now, do I expect them to limit LSU's offense, how they limited Ohio State's offense? No, I, you know, I, I think, I think LSU will be more in the, in the 27 to 30 point range. But with that being said, I, I don't expect LSU to score over 30 points. I, I really don't see it because, again, I think this Clemson's defense is ready for LSU and Joe Burrows. And on the flip side, we have seen Clemson's offense not be as dominant as LSU's offense, right? So if, if, Put it this way, if Clemson's offense was as dominant as LSU's offense has been all year, then it'd be tough because now you're banking on both defenses to have an amazing performance. All I'm saying is I think Clemson's D can hold LSU, and I don't see Clemson blowing out LSU. So I, I see this somewhere around a, a 30 to 27 kind of contest. Maybe, maybe like a 30, uh, a, a 35 28, something like that. But I don't see LSU putting up more more than uh, 35 points at all. There you have it. So, Matt, on the – you just full game under or did full, you say – Full for, game under 70 points. Okay, full game under 70 for Matt. Minor disagreement. I like the first game over 35 in the college football playoff national championship. That's going to wrap things up for Look, us Greg, here let's on hope it's a blowout and, and let's hope it's uh, – 30 to 6 at halftime, and, and, and that's all she wrote. Because that'll go under for the second half. That'll work. Matt, always appreciate you. Uh, we'll talk again early in the week as we hit the hardwood and the ice again. That's the luck this weekend, Greg. Thanks a lot to everybody out there listening and, of course, tailing. Everybody enjoy the best weekend in the NFL Divisional Playoff Weekend and the College Football Playoff National Championship. And, of course, please play responsibly. Sugar Ray Leonard, Roberto Duran. Marvelous Marvin Hagler and Thomas Hearns. Legends, whose four-way rivalry defined one of the greatest eras in boxing history. Relive their decade of dominance in a new Showtime sports documentary, The Kings, a four-part series now streaming on Showtime.